You know, before I get started, we prayed for something this morning that I want to pray again. I feel very compelled to do so. That God wants to reinstate callings. Some of you have felt that uh, maybe you missed it. Maybe it's too late for you. Maybe that sense of passion for Christ or duty to do something has gone by. But with God, it is never too late. You know, Moses spent 40 years in one situation, felt he failed, went out into the backside of a desert for another 40 years. At age 80, he was called. Noah was called in his old age. You don't have to be old for this. There's people called as young people, too. I think of Samuel at a very young age of 11, and uh, David called as a young man. But sometimes we give up on our calling because of circumstances. And I think God's restoring and saying, don't give up. It's not too late. And God has a work for you. And the works of God, as you heard in the prophecy, they don't have to be great. They can be small. It's not about the size of the work. It's about obedience to what God's called you to do. And it could simply mean that you were put in that place at your job because of the person next to you. Or you were put in your neighborhood because of the neighbors just down the street. That's a calling. That's a purpose. And one seed will do that. So if you feel that you have a calling, you feel that you're to be used by God for the kingdom, stand up. I want to pray for a commissioning for you this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Father God, I pray for the body of Christ that we are all, Lord God, called by your Holy Spirit individually, uniquely, birthed by you, and we have become your workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which you have already ordained for us to do. There is a destiny in each person standing. There is a purpose today that you've called us to, Lord God. We're not just lingering, Lord God, but we're to be laboring. Lord, you put strength in us, the Spirit in us, the power of your Holy Ghost to cause us to be used by you, to move and to act and breathe according to your purposes. I commissioned this group of people today to fulfill their calling, to have a longing and an urgency to speak the gospel, to care enough to reach out, to lay hands on the sick, and to pray for one another. Father, I commission them in the authority of Jesus Christ and ask for your Holy Spirit to set a fire in their bones like never before to do the work of the Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 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 Praise God. Give God a hand this morning. Yes. Hallelujah. Turn with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 4. We are continuing in our study on the church. This is Paul's masterpiece of what the church is supposed to be, who we are in our calling. It was held in mystery for thousands of years until Christ rose from the dead and ascended into heaven, and the mystery is now revealed as to the body of Christ. We saw in the first chapters that we're that predestined age when God had planned to open up heaven to all nations and all people groups. And he had called an elect people, the church, that we would be grafted into the roots of Israel. And all the promises of Abraham have now been found in Christ Jesus and open to us. 
This is amazing. Uh, Isaiah prophesied about it. David looked to it. Jeremiah talked about it. Ezekiel prophesied and declared what was coming. And this is that age. We are that people. We are the church, the temple of God, in whom all of God's promises are yes and amen. Saved by grace, not by any work we achieved, but by the goodness of God. And Paul tells us who we are, grafted into Israel. And now in chapter 4, he says this to us. Walk, therefore, in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ has been called from before the beginning of time to fulfill a commission and a purpose, and that is to preach the gospel, salvation, to whosoever would come to the banquet of Christ. And that's our calling. But we have to walk in a manner of that calling to attract and draw people to Jesus Christ. Many have been a detraction to salvation. The church sure does have a mess in its history. We've done some pretty bad things and some poor things. But God is calling his church to walk in a way, once again, that it was designed and purposed to walk in. That is righteousness and holiness. The calling that we were called to. He says the same thing when he writes to the church at Colossus. He says in Colossians 1 verse 10, So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. It's time for the church to be producing a harvest of good works. Now, the church above any other institution feeds the poor, cares for the sick. Hospitals were developed because of churches. And so many uh, 501c3s and, and so many uh, institutions, nonprofits to help people were developed from the church, Christianity. It's our uh, legacy in history. And it's time for the church to move into another realm spiritually of bringing salvation and healing and deliverance to a tired and broken world. A confused world that needs clarity and clarity of truth. That's us. We need to walk worthy of the manner of our calling, pleasing to him. What does Paul mean by walking, walk in it? It's not just a random analogy. It's a Hebrew word, the halakha. The halakha is what a rabbi's teaching was. A rabbi would teach and walk in a way through life, and his disciples would learn to follow that way of his walk. We're disciples of Jesus. We should look like Jesus, talk like Jesus, act like Jesus. We've studied the book of Mark, and how did Jesus train his disciples? He trained them to pray for the sick. He trained them to cast out demons. He trained them to proclaim the good news that the kingdom of God is here. He trained them to feed 5,000. He trained them to uh, lay uh, hands and blind eyes would see. He's trained them to change the world, and they did. And so we too should walk in this manner. How are we going to do that? How are we ever going to walk in this manner? And I'll go to the end of the portion of Scripture that we're looking at. And what is this calling in this walk? It's to be one in unity and purpose. 
just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. The one hope is the one church, one faith, one God, one spirit overall. It's unity. The only way we're going to get this done in our calling is to be unified to do it. In fact, it's the priestly prayer that Jesus prayed in the garden in John 17. As Jesus is bleeding from his face, praying to the Father for the sacrifice he's about to give, and he's praying for the church, his body, he says this, The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. Whoa, are you kidding me? We're supposed to be one, singular, in movement, in effort, in joy, and in love, and in purpose and calling, as the Father and the Son are one. What is that glory He gave to us? The very Spirit of His own nature. That's what will unify us and make us one. I in them, you in me, that they may become perfectly one. How are we doing with that? So that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Our unity is going to reveal how much the Father loved Christ and how much Christ has loved us. Our unity is a witness to the world that Christianity is the truth, the one true religion. But unfortunately, it's right where the enemy hit us. We have 45,000 Christian denominations globally. We are splintered and fractured into so many different groups. There is only one church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? But we divide ourselves. That's a human condition. That's a human effort. Because we disagree. I know in the efforts to try to keep our doctrine as pure as possible, but many times we're dividing over peripheral issues. Augustine said the essentials, we must have unity. On the peripherals, we can have grace, right? Uh, There's another saying, it's not scriptural, take the meat, leave the bones. But instead we divide. And we break apart. You dunk, we sprinkle. Well, today we did both. (laughs) According to the Apostles' Creed, they didn't get into that dispute and that debate. They said the best way to baptize is in a river, in living water. But if you can't do that, then baptize in a pool. And if you can't do that, then baptize in a tank and immerse. But if you can't do that, sprinkle three times. That's about four denominations right there. Come on, we divide over whether they talk in tongues or whether they don't talk in tongues or their point of view on revelation or this point of view. And we lose the unity on the essentials. Jesus Christ died for our sins, rose from the dead, ascended to heaven, sent His Holy Spirit, and there is one body of Christ. That's what Paul's saying. We have to walk worthy of our calling. Our calling is to win the lost to the kingdom of God, but who wants to come into a dysfunctional family? How are we going to do this? How are we going to be one body, one spirit, one hope, 
one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father over all. When it seems like we are 45,000 different ones. And God, I believe, is going to bring his church back together in amazing unity. Now, there's only two ways to do this. The one way is to follow what Paul is writing here on how we are to become one in purpose and calling. And if we can't achieve it through following Scripture, the only other way I've seen it happen is through persecution. The one way that the church comes together and forgets all their peripheral issues is when they're persecuted for their faith. That's when you run into the huddle and you hold on to each other and you begin to forget about whether your choir wears robes or doesn't. And you forget about the kind of uh, sanctuary you have or not. You forget about all the peripherals. And you come together and unite over the essentials. Persecution will do that. I'm not looking forward to that. I'm going to try. Let's try and stick to the scriptures. How about we try that effort first? At least in this church, okay? (laughs) Let's go see what he has to say. How are we going to have unity? He says this. He said, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience bearing one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Now, if you'll look closely, humility, gentleness, patience, love, and peace are all fruit of the Spirit. That's God's own nature. If we're going to be in unity, we have to be united in His nature. Our nature doesn't get along. But if we would keep what is central and the one thing we are unified over, it's Him. It's Him. You may not agree with one another. You may have disagreements between each other, and that's fine, but don't let it split you over your unity in Him. Those things are non-essentials. And yes, some of you aren't going to like some of you. And those people aren't going to like some of you. And some of them aren't going to like some of you. So what? We agree that Jesus Christ is Lord. And you know what happens when we stand together at a cross looking to the Lord Jesus Christ? Our differences begin to fall away. And it should be that way. So let's break this down. Let's take a look at it. How are we going to do this? He first of all says, with all humility. How many of you know it's going to take all that you got? All humility. We need to be a humble people. And I see in the church quite the opposite. We exalt pastors and preachers and evangelists. We've got rock stars as worship leaders. And we've got, you know, uh, elevating everybody. This is the best teacher. I follow this teacher. They did in the early church too, didn't they? I follow Paul. I follow Cephas. I follow Jesus. When Christ has us to come to all humility. Humility means to empty of yourself. And when it comes to Christ, can you empty yourself and exalt Him instead? That's what we're here to do. To be humble and to be gentle. To walk as Christ. But you'd say, oh man, it's a cruel world out there. It's wicked. I don't want to be some some mealy-mamby-pamby Christian polite dude. I have to fight. Well, let me tell you something. Was Jesus humble and gentle? 
And did he speak the truth with authority and power? You don't have to exalt yourself. Jesus never exalted himself. He exalted the Father. He turned over the money changers. He rebuked those in the temple with all humility and gentleness. How? Because he wasn't exalting his own self. He was exalting the Father's house. And he was speaking truth. And he was speaking it directly. We can be humble and gentle without being arrogant. Amen and harsh. And that has to be done by the Spirit of God. It takes a lot of work for us to get there, doesn't it? We like the flesh to take over in righteous indignation. But we need to walk in the Spirit in all humility and in all gentleness. He goes on and he says this, With patience, bearing with one another in love. Patience, it means God's timetable, not yours. That's hard in our culture right now. We got patience for nobody, right? Especially driving a car. Nobody's got patience, especially going to restaurants. Remember, they used to have these things, they were called fast food restaurants. Forget about it. Forget about it. Patience. We get angry, get mad at the people serving, and they're all upset because they don't have the supplies that were supposed to come on the truck. They didn't show up. Everybody's got something that they're working with, and you, righteous Christian, you're mad. But the Lord would say it's not about your timing, about His. It's about His timing to have patience. Like when you're in the checkout line, and that lady at the grocery store goes in her purse to pay, and she pulls out a checkbook. No! Not the checkbook. And she can't find the right check, and she's looking for it, and you're all impatient. You're just like, oh, this is taking too long. Well, maybe God has you in that position for the person in front of you or behind you. Or maybe you're there to help that little old lady with her checkbook. Because the things in life are beyond what you're keeping track of. God has a purpose all around you. There's an eternal purpose that you're to walk in the ways of Jesus. What would Jesus do in that situation? We have to have patience. And I love what he says about love. Bearing with one another. <laughs> Bearing with one another. i got to put up with you. Bearing with one another. In love. In love. In love. Love is long-suffering. Love is gentle. Love is kind. Love doesn't boast, right? Love endures and lasts and so this is the character of Christ humility gentleness patience enduring in love but no we split off we splinter off we have arguments we get offended in the church so easily so often it, it offends my time it offends my personality when we're supposed to hang in there bear one another be patient with one another maybe they had a bad day Maybe they didn't see you, and maybe they are just in a miserable mood, and they should have never said what they said to you. But with patience and enduring love, you'll find your way through it. And he goes on and he says this, to be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit. Eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit. Now, when we have unity, when we have the presence of the Lord, when we're in worship, we're eager to maintain that. We, we don't want to disrupt it. 
when we're praying for one another, when we're caring for one another, we, we want to maintain the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the unity of the Spirit, and the bond of peace. When he says the unity of the Spirit, and he says the bond of peace, the word for bond here is a term that means the ligaments in the body. You know, the ligaments keep your body and joints together. And so we're to have a bond of peace. We're to hold together the peace, the salvation, the rest we have in Jesus Christ. Maintaining, eager to maintain the stability of our salvation as a people. Are we eager to hold it together? Or do we go to the next church and to the next church and to the next church? 45,000 denominations, that's not even counting the number of churches there are. But all these splinter groups, because we couldn't get along, we couldn't see that your doctrine's different than mine in some way, so I don't need to be associated with you. What is it telling the world? What message has the church been preaching to the world? Does the world see Jesus in us? It must. It's our calling. And we are to honor that calling and walk in a manner worthy of that calling why he says this because there is one body one spirit just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your calling one lord one faith one baptism one god and father of all that's the unity that the church represents you represent this we as Christ Community Church re represent this. And Paul is telling us that we are a body. You can't have an arm doing what it wants to do when the head's telling it to do something else. Your legs got to obey where the head's telling them to go. But when you're all out of sync, you're spasming out. That's what the body of Christ has been doing. We look like we're just all crazy. And we've got to march according to how Jesus the head is telling us to march. Worthy to walk according to our calling. One body. There's no other church to go to. If, if, if you didn't get it right here, the next church down the road, you, you're bringing it with you. Someone said, I'm looking for the perfect church. And someone said, well, when you joined it, you wrecked that whole pursuit. <laughs> Look, at, we're all a mess. We're all dysfunctional. We all got sin to deal with. Let's work it out. Let's find the unity of the Spirit. There's one body of Christ. Stop looking down our noses at those Methodists, those Episcopalians, those Salvation Army people. But of course we stay on the essentials. Of course we stay on the doctrinal purity. But we've got to unite over Christ. One body, one Spirit. There's one Holy Spirit. There's one hope that we have. Do you know what the hope of the church is? Go to heaven? No. Christ is our hope. Christ in you is the hope of glory. It's Jesus who is our hope. And Him manifest in our lives. There's one Lord Jesus Christ. There is only one faith. And there's only one baptism. 
Oh, no, Pastor, there's a bunch of different baptisms. There's infant baptism, there's sprinkling, there's dunking. There's, we just saw it today. We just, all the, that's not what he's talking about when he says baptism. He's not talking about water baptism, and he's not talking about spirit baptism. He's talking about the one entrance into salvation, being immersed into Christ Jesus by the Spirit of God. That's salvation. There's only one way, only one name by which men can be saved, Jesus Christ. And there is only one Father over all. And the Father's heart is breaking because His kids are not getting along. Some of you know what I'm talking about. With your own kids, it breaks your heart. Today's a tough day for many people. You didn't expect this to be the way your family was. You didn't expect it to be so broken up. You wanted them to come together, one father, one heart, one family. Well, imagine the father, one people that he saved through the sacrifice of his own son. It cost him everything. And we're arguing over such things when he's called us to accomplish an amazing work in him. He's given us all that we need, and yet we grumble and we argue. Listen to this, one God and Father of all, who is over all, who is through all, and who is in all. He's in us by the Spirit of God. You're united to the Father. We're united to each other. We are one body in Christ. And that's what Paul is calling his glorious church, Jesus' glorious church to remember. We must walk in a manner worthy of our calling with all humility and gentleness, with all patience and enduring love, with the bond of the Spirit and with the peace of our salvation. Let us win the world, church, by one body, one faith, one Lord, one Savior, one baptism, and they will see it is Jesus. Let's bow our heads. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, God, our Father. Today, as we watched the baptisms, we saw each person humble themselves and let go to be immersed into the death of Christ. That's humility. That's gentleness. That's the bond of the Spirit. Every one of us came into salvation through our own death on the cross with Jesus. Unite your body, Jesus. May we respond with humility to each other. May we restore what is broken among us. May we feel the conviction of your Holy Spirit. If we have aught with our brother, you said, don't even come to the altar, but fix it. Unity is so essential to you, Lord. The Spirit flows, and you command a blessing where there is unity. It is like the oil running down Aaron's beard, the dew on Mount Hermon that descends. Behold how good and blessed it is that The church dwells together in unity. So use us 
in our own house, in our own church, that we would walk worthy of this calling. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. All my life you have been faithful. Come on, let's worship our Father. And all my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, Lord, I will sing of the goodness of God. All my life. And all my life you have been faithful. And all my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, Lord, I will sing of the goodness of God. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. With my life laid down, I surrender now. I give you everything. And your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. With my life laid down, I surrender now. I give you everything. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. And all my life you have been faithful. He's been so faithful to us. And all my life you yeah, have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing. Yes, we will, Lord. Of the goodness. This is your day, Father. We will sing of your goodness. I will sing, sing of the goodness of God. I will sing of the goodness of God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Father, you've been so good to us. I pray for those who feel estranged from Father God. Maybe some of you have heard stories about Him that are not true. You think He's harsh, angry, and mean. That's not the Father. He so loved the world, He gave His Son. And it is the Father who justifies us, forgives us, cleanses us. And it's the Father who pours out His own Spirit into our lives. Father loves us. He watches over us and tends to us. So I pray that your relationship with Jesus and the Father 
and the Holy Spirit is restored today in any manner that needs to be. And that you will begin to walk, walk in such a way that others will see the Father in your life. Use this church, O oh God. We prayed to restore callings. Restore the calling of this church. That our purpose would be to bring people to God for salvation. That when it's people speak of this church, they'd say that's a church that is one faith, one Lord, one baptism, one hope, one Father over all. It's demonstrated in that house. We ask this blessing upon us as a congregation. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God.